Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome to the Four Feathers podcast. This is the Blackhawks recap show. Uh, we are here to bring you everything Blackhawks about tonight's game against the Detroit Red Wings. The Blackhawks win. Holy shit, ladies and gentlemen. We didn't think we'd be talking about one. And I say we because I am not alone tonight. I am Ron Luce, and I am joined tonight by Patrick Kamiski, my guy. Patrick, how are you doing? Well, first and foremost, it's good to finally be back. I feel like I haven't done one of these in uh, quite some time. You know, things get a little crazy with the work life and whatnot, but we're finally on here. And hey, we couldn't. I couldn't have picked a better day to jump on, man. Uh, you know, it's a safe bet to grab the Detroit game to find a win. But, but ladies and gentlemen, the Chicago Blackhawks have won a hockey game. I'm doing good though, Ron. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Like you said, they won a hockey game. Um, for those that are regular listeners to our show here, uh, you've known that pretty much every game so far this season has been pretty much Johnny Nani and either myself or Tony Marchese. Um, I officially told Nani because he's been on all four of the losses that he is no longer allowed to do these um, because they win when he is not scheduled to be on the show. But um, as Patrick said, we are here to talk about a Blackhawks win. We're going to get into this thing. Um, but Pat, I'm going to turn it over to you really quickly, just kind of the preliminary thoughts that go through your head when you think about tonight's game. Well, you know, you'd be remiss not to mention, you know, first and foremost, Kevin Lankinen. How about that one, man? That was really, really promising to see because, you know, you watch the first couple of games, uh, Malcolm Subban didn't look great, not good at all, uh, some might say. Uh, Colin Delia, and, you know, even though Colin Delia is a little young in his career, in my mind, in my opinion, I think you almost kind of know what you got in Delia and that's at best an NHL backup, and even that maybe is pushing it a little bit. But Kevin Lankinen is your question mark of the group, which is why all along I've been a proponent of letting him get the ice time because his team's going nowhere anyways. And he gets most ice time tonight, and he looked pretty damn good. You know, even a bad Detroit team had some pretty good scoring chances against him. They threw 31 shots at him and only give up the one goal. I thought Kevin Lankinen looked really, really good tonight. You know, uh, there were some high-pressure situations. Uh, you know, there were some high-danger shots, and, he, you know, he threw all but one of them back. You know, that's the bright mark. And, like, you know, like I said, we'd be remiss not to mention that first and foremost. That was really, really promising. Um, I think in this season, you're looking for things like that. You know, it's the little things. You know, even the wins and losses don't matter as much, even though we did get the win tonight. It's really good to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what you said is incredibly well put, right? I think, you know, we talked at nauseum uh, coming into this season of who's going to be the starter, right? Crow moved on and then now has ultimately retired. Robin Lehner, as we knew, was shipped off at the deadline last year. He's now in Vegas and pretty much is their number one, um, not only now, but for the foreseeable future as he got a four-year contract extension. So a lot of Blackhawks fans, us included here at Four Feathers, were wondering who the hell is going to be in net this year? Who is going to who is going to take the bull by the horns and say this net is mine until I say so, that it's not mine? And I think a lot of us thought it might have been Delia just because he's the most, I guess, proven of the group, um, at least in terms of being in the Blackhawks organization. A lot of us obviously kind of knew what you were getting with Malcolm Subban, considering the fact that he couldn't even have a nine. 90% save percentage in Vegas behind 
arguably one of the best defensive teams in the league, clearly showed that there was some clear, you know, concerns with Malcolm Subban being the starting goaltender. And so, but like you said, Kevin Lankin, it was kind of the question mark in this group. He obviously had a great world championships. I think a lot of people forget in 2019. Uh, he, I believe Finland won the gold medal with him goaltending them to that, that, that place. They beat Russia, who, if I remember correctly, had, I want to say Ovi, Malkin, you know, because it was right after that first round of the playoffs. So Russia loaded up and tried to go win that gold. And he stole it right from them. I think he had like a 194 goals against average for the entire tournament or something crazy like that. So a lot of fans were like, hey, why isn't this guy getting more love? Like, why can't we see some of this guy? And I think you saw that tonight, Pat. And I absolutely agree with you. That is the absolute number one takeaway from tonight's game. He looked absolutely fantastic. He, he looks calm. He looks composed. That was something Johnny and I talked about on um, Tuesday night's show, even though they lost to Florida. You know, he just, he, he looks like he commands the net and he wants the net. Um, and that's obviously something that we, you know, as Blackhawks fans should all be excited about. Um, but let's dive into this thing. Let's let's recap some scoring. Uh, we'll break down each period for you, as we always do here at Four Feathers. Uh, and then we'll, you know, Pat, we'll dive into some of our other observations um, afterward. And, you know, before we close this thing out and look forward to uh, Sunday's game then. So here we go. First period. Um, obviously... It was, you know, calm and quiet early on. Um, I saw our fellow um, Four Feathers contributor, Austin Padue, Blackhawks D-Zone on Twitter. Uh, he tweeted, the first five minutes of the game, he said, this was the most boring five minutes of hockey I've ever watched. And I, I, I can't argue. It was tough. But nonetheless, at the 13-22 mark in the first period, uh, the Blackhawks on the power play. They move the puck around. Strom. Uh, or excuse me, Debrinkit finds his buddy Strom. Strom ultimately finds Kane in the slot, and Patrick Kane buries his third goal of the season. He scores the first goal at the United Center for this 2021 season. Um, it's a power play tally, and the Hawks won nothing. Uh, Pat, what what were your takeaways from that first period? Uh, you know, yeah, kind of like Austin said, it was like it, it was very apparent uh, early on that uh, two bad teams decided to uh, come together and play a game of hockey tonight. Um, there wasn't a whole lot going on to get that power play. And even with that Kane power play strike, it was like, you know, it's, it's almost weird. You know, the puck just has a way of finding, you know, certain players on the ice. Uh, you know, it'll find Ovechkin. It'll find McDavid. The puck finds Patrick Kane. And that's, you know, he puts himself in the right areas all the time. But even this one, it was just bouncing all over the place. Ends up on a stick, and you know, at, at that point, Kane's not going to make the mistake when it comes to that. Um, and they get on the board, you know, uh, it was good to see. Um, but you know, <laughs> that first period, you know, like we said, it, it was it was nothing to uh, nothing to put you on the edge of your seat. Uh, but that was kind of expected coming into this one. You know, you knew that Detroit was. I mean, you've seen what the Blackhawks were the first couple games of the season. You still looked at them and were like, well, they're probably still better than Detroit at least. So you knew you weren't going to be getting exactly uh, a grade A game out there. Yeah, I absolutely agreed. And it's kind of crazy, though. I, I, I agree. I, you know, this Detroit team is 100% in a rebuild. Um, they're absolutely in no position to be competing this year for a Stanley Cup championship by any means. But this is at least a very much improved Detroit team from last year, right? I mean, just looking at the names on the roster, I have it in front of me right now. I mean, they added guys like Troy Stetcher. Um, DeJuz on defense, 
Um, they added Thomas Grice in net to supplement Jonathan Bernier. Jimmy Howard obviously wasn't getting the job done. He, you know, hung up the skates very recently. Um, but they added a lot of depth up front. You know, they added guys like Bobby Ryan. They added guys like um, Vet, uh, Nemesnikov, um, you know, formerly of Tampa and Ottawa. So they, they added some good depth, and they still have good pieces there, right? They have Dylan Larkin, who is arguably a star in this league, obviously a very good player. Tyler Bertuzzi has turned into a very nice player. Anthony Mantha, I think, is a really nice piece for them moving forward. And their young player, Rasmussen, who was a first-round pick for them uh, just a few seasons ago. So they have some talent. Like, this is a better Detroit team than last year, which, in fairness, is not hard because that was a historically bad NHL team, period. Like, they, they said the stats tonight on the broadcast. I remember Pat Foley specifically nailing it and saying, this Detroit team last season was last in goals scored in the league, last in goals against in the league, and only recorded 17 wins. Like, they couldn't even get to 20 wins before the 70-game season ultimately stopped because of the COVID shutdown. That's how bad Detroit was. It was so bad to the point, I actually, the last NHL game I attended before the COVID shutdown was ironically a Detroit game because I was up there visiting my brother, who, long story short, was there on you know for a special assignment for the military. And we went to a game. They played the Wild, and the Wild smoked them 7-1. to one. Like, that. that's when you know. Like, they were bad. But nonetheless, um, like you said, I, I think it's it gives some good feelings for the Hawks the rest of the season, knowing that they get to play this team, what, seven more times? Um, they also get to play a team like Columbus, who is oddly struggling right now. Also another, what, eight times? So there's chances for wins there, um, and, and we'll certainly see what happens. But like you said, Pat, great chemistry. The power play looked good tonight overall, went two for five, 40% clip. They've been hot. I know that's weird to say out of a team that's one, three, and one. But the Blackhawks' power play is hot right now, and I think that's something that teams in the league need to watch out for. Don't give the Hawks you know, chances on the power play because they're cashing in and they're making people regret it. Uh, but moving on to that second period, again, no action from Detroit. They were just cold. Kevin Lankinen continued making great saves throughout the game. Um, but a favorite of Four Feathers podcast gets his first tally of the season. Uh, all starts with a great play by Ian Mitchell. He, uh, he plays catch with Kane along the right-wing boards, comes in deep, uh, ultimately dishes the puck to Strom, who's a, right about the goal line, uh, maybe just behind the goal line. He goes to the front of the net, but that wouldn't matter. Strom somehow avoids like three Detroit Red Wings players with his pass, finds the puck to Calvin DeHaan at the point, and Calvin DeHaan, as we mentioned, favorite here at Four Feathers, blasts home his first goal of the season. Uh, Ian Mitchell gets his first career point in the NHL uh, with a secondary assist. Strom getting his third assist of the season, second in this game. And the Blackhawks have a 2-0 lead. Pat, how were you feeling after that second period? Because Hawks are going into the third with a 2-0 lead. Yeah, no, and, it, you know, it was good. And like you said, um, I think the big takeaway from that power play goal was uh, Ian Mitchell. He, uh, weird for a guy who was in his, uh, what was that, fifth NHL game, to kind of look that calm, cool, and collective out there, especially a defenseman in the offensive zone. Um, he, he made a really, really good play in there. He pinched, um, he made a smart play on the puck. He made a good pass. He kept the play alive. Um, and you know, it kind of worked its way to Han and DeHaan make, made no mistake about that. And that's a little something out of Calvin DeHaan's game that, you know, I, I guess we haven't seen a ton of was that was a really good shot. And, you know, uh, he kind of blew it by Grice there and all of a sudden you're up two nothing. But, you know, my, it, it, I go back to, like, what I talked about with Lincoln in this year. We want to look for the little things because, like it or not, 
this season will be treated as a rebuild year. Um, you know, with them down and out, without Doc, without Taves, you're not going to win very many hockey games. These <laughs> these episodes that we do are going to be few and far between. So we got to look for the young guys. What's going on with them? I thought Ian Mitchell in that play gave you something to really look forward to in the future. And what and 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 I hate to get pessimistic <laughs> in the same sense because as soon as that play happened, I thought. Why the fuck have we not seen that from Adam Boqua so far? Because that's who we should be seeing it from, and we're not, not even yeah. close. But Ian Mitchell right away gave you that little spark, and it was like, wow, okay, now that's what I want from a defenseman, especially in the modern NHL, kind of playing an offensive game while still tr- staying true to being a defenseman. That's what you want to see. Um, I, I almost feel like, you know, just a handful of games in. I got a little more confidence in uh, young number 51, and I got an Adam Boquist, who was a top 10 pick, who Stan kind of took over some guys who, you know, it was questionable at the time. Uh, you know, he was still in that rank, uh, you know, in everyone's rankings, but it was like, eh, you know, that, that's a risk because he's not your traditional defenseman. He's, he doesn't exactly have the build per se. You know, he could still use a little bulking up. And, you know, I get a little nervous about Boquist, but, you know, Ian Mitchell comes punching right back and he gives you something to look forward to. Yeah, he really does. And I think it was kind of a shame. So, you know, Pat, you and I were talking just briefly before we, uh, you know, hit the whole record button here. Um, But Adam Boquist played 18 minutes and 25 seconds tonight, by far the most that he's played, at least in the last few games. Um, Granted, three and a half of that came on the power play, which I think at least... One silver lining I can take away from it is he led all defensemen in power play time tonight. At least the team's not giving up on him uh, of saying like, "Hey, just because you screwed up, we're gonna take you off." Right? Like this, this isn't the right. team of and old, they shouldn't. right? And then, but this isn't the team of old, right? Like this was something that I think the Blackhawks as an organization were criticized for a lot. Granted, they were competing a lot, you know, even when they were quote unquote terrible, like they were still a playoff team, quote unquote. John McDonough, thank you very much, but you know. If Adam Bokfus would have screwed up, he wouldn't have been seeing this kind of ice time. I like the fact that the coaching staff is at least not quitting on him, and they're trying to put him in good positions. I don't know if anybody saw it, but during practice this week, because they had three days in between games, they had Adam Bokfus playing in the in the left dot as like almost the debrinket role on the power play, just to see what that would be like. And I think they were just trying to find, hey, hey where can we put you to help you succeed to boost your confidence? Because I think... At least from what I've seen and just, you know, how he acts on the ice and off the ice. I feel like Adam Bokfus is a pretty confident kid. And I think that's good for him because he's going to need that as he goes through these growing pains. Like, he might just be a late bloomer. And that's totally fine. You know, a lot of defensemen are in the NHL, unfortunately. Not everybody's going to be Kale McCarr or Aaron Ekblad, who at 18, 19 years old can step into an NHL lineup and actually be a top, you know, four contributor. But... That being said, I agree with you. I think Ian Mitchell only playing 13 and a half minutes tonight is a shame because I liked what I saw there. But if, you know, if we're going to go ahead and say, hey, Adam Bokefist, it's okay. Go ahead and screw up. Play 18 minutes. You know, get your power play time. Do this, do that. You know, why can't we do that for Ian Mitchell as well? Because I think they should be. Sure, Ian Mitchell has more seasoning. He played three years in college, whatever. But he's only a year older than Bokefist. You know, he's not, you know, he played college, which... Say what you want about juniors versus college. I think college is still a good developmental route for a lot of guys. And 
I agree with you, Pat. I, I mean, I got super excited when I saw him do that because he got the puck at the point, he dished it down to Kaner on the right wing boards, and then he played a you know catch with Kaner. You know, they get more or less a give and go in a sense, but he just didn't give it back to Kaner. But he took that puck, he skates into the zone, he tries, looks for a shot, sees nothing, which is a veteran move. Like, oh, okay, I don't see anything. I'm going to dish it to Strom. Strom's open. He's got a good look at the rest of the ice because he's behind the net. And he finds Calvin DeHaan, and Calvin DeHaan buries it in the back of the net. So, you know, agreed with you. I, I would love to see more of that out of Adam Boakfist. I think, and I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm sure you did, Pat. You know, we, we love listening to, you know, Four Feathers when, you know, each of us are not on, and I, I try to make a, a habit of it. But, you know, I said the other night, I, I really think Boakfist could benefit from going down to Rockford this year just from the sheer standpoint of let him play top-pairing minutes, so 23, 24 minutes a night. Let him be aggressive offensively. Like you said, Pat, let let us see more of what we saw of Ian Mitchell tonight on that play. Let him go down in the zone. Let him, you know, kind of wander around and try and make plays. Let him go through those growing pains, but then not be faulted for it and continue to play minutes. Because quite frankly, especially in what's going to be between a 24 and 35 game season for most AHL teams this year, I don't give a living hell if the Rockford Icehawks don't win a game. I know the people that actually care about the Ice Hogs out Rockford want to see wins. I understand that. And they'll win games. Don't worry. They have enough talent down there that they'll win games. But I'm okay with Adam Boakvist's mistakes down in Rockford because he's going to grow and learn from those. And especially as an offensive defenseman in this league, there's, to me, there's nothing better than being able to do that. So um, I agree. I would like to see more of that. And maybe, you know, Pat, to, to kind of combine both of our points, maybe Rockford is the route where Adam Bokfus goes down and starts to be able to work on that a little bit. And then in 2021-22, we see that type of play that we saw from Ian Mitchell tonight on that power or on that Calvin DeHaan goal, you know, out of an Adam Bokfus. Maybe he bulks up a little more. I don't ever think he's going to be the biggest guy in the world, and that's okay. But, you know, like you said, at least if we can start seeing him be playing to his strengths a little more and not look like a total deer in the headlights, which I think at times that he actually looked good defensively. Uh, I think that's worth noting. Um, but I think that's absolutely something to, to be considered. And I would like to see Ian Mitchell getting that Adam Boak this time, or even the, you know, just under like a Calvin, uh, DeHaan or Connor Murphy time. Both of them played about, you know, 20 and a half minutes tonight. So, um, certainly something to consider, but I will stop rambling and we will move on to the third period because, uh, the Hawks just continued to add damage at the six seventeen mark in the third. Um, the power play again, Detroit was stupid tonight. They did not want to stay out of the box. Uh, both teams tonight having five power play opportunities. The Red Wings not converting on any of them. Uh, wild to think the Blackhawks PK. Again, continuing off of their success of last year where they were top 10 uh, unit. Uh, but the power play, 40% tonight, 2 for 5 with the Hawks. And this was the second one. Debrinkit uh, gets his third assist of the season. Uh, he dishes it over to Kane. Kane finds Andrew Shaw uh, kind of backdoor on Thomas Grice in the net. And in a one-timer-esque fashion, Andrew Shaw, the mutt, scores his first goal since, like, November of 2019. Um, that's got to feel good for number 65. And I know from a fan's perspective, that made me warm and fuzzy, Pat. Absolutely. You know, a couple things that made me feel warm and fuzzy. Andrew Shaw, the celebration. Andrew Shaw, the A on his chest tonight. Yes. I like that a lot. That's a nice little nod from Jeremy Colleton. Um, I think, you know, it, it was nice to see that on Shaw's chest with uh, – you know, obviously with Seabrook sitting out and uh, Taser not in there, you know, someone's got to don that thing. And it was nice to see Shaw get a get that on his chest. But going into that play, 
Um, man, that, that was pretty, that was really pretty. Um, I, I like the idea of Kane and Debrinket playing out there together. Um, I think both of them have some elite vision. Uh, both of them can pass them with the best of them. I, I, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of, um, putting Strom in the middle of those guys. Uh, I, I think as you know, I'm not the biggest Strom guy and you know, he, he had a, he actually had a pretty decent night tonight, so I don't want to harp on him. But I just don't think that his skill set really suits Patrick Kane that well. I like a guy who's going to, you know, get in there, get dirty on the boards, make the grimy plays, you know, dish the puck out. That's Andrew Shaw. You know, he's going to do – he'll do those things. He'll get his ass in front of the net. He'll do what it takes, and you've seen it on that play. Um, you know, they make the nice pass. He's out in front of the net where he should be. And, you know, Patrick Kane will put the puck, the puck on your stick play. You don't have to do a whole lot. And, you know – Shaw gets himself in the right spot on the ice and he's got an easy tap in. You know, that was a really pretty play and that was something that I like to see. And if you, if, I don't know, if you think Andrew Shaw can play the center position and I necessarily don't, but if you think he can, I don't mind that as, you know, even like, I understand it's a power play, but, you know, um, I don't even mind that as like a thought of, you know, getting that kind of line moving forward because. I think you need a little nasty, you know, when Patrick Kane's on the ice. Someone has to do the dirty work because Patrick Kane's too skilled. He's got to play a free game. He, he can't be doing it. Alex Dabrinkit, you know, he is what he is. He's a very small guy. Um, someone's got to do it. And Andrew Shaw's more than willing. And you've seen it on that power play goal. And as pretty as it was, Andrew Shaw's still the, he's still the nasty. And you got to have a little bit of that. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. And and something also worth noting about that play uh, before we you know dive into to Shawzer and and you know that nasty role that he plays. You know that power play was beautiful because every player on the ice touched the puck before that goal goes in. Like it was crisp passing. They're moving the puck. It's not hold it for five seconds and try to find something open. It's move it, move it, move it, move it. Find the guy. Find the guy. Find the find the guy. Find the guy. Andrew Shaw taps it in, goal, Blackhawks 3-0 lead. And I think that was what was so beautiful about it. But going back to your point, um, I agree. I, I think, you know, you know, somehow that line found success, especially tonight. I think they had some good success as well on Tuesday night against Florida in that overtime loss. Um, Dylan Strom's playing a little bit of a different game this year. I know, I agree. I think just overall, you know, he's more of a playmaking center. Um, that's absolutely his strength. I mean, you saw it tonight, two assists um, for him. You know, he, he's a playmaker. He's going to set guys up. That's kind of where he thrives. If you look at his statistics over the last few seasons with the Hawks, he always has more assists, probably double the amount of goals that he has. Like, that's just the kind of player that Dylan Strom is. And, you know, that's why I think him and Debrinkit, especially in that first season when Strom was traded to the Hawks, had so much success together because, you know, Debrinkit's your sniper. Or at least at that time, he was just a sniper. Now I think he's a more complete player, but... You know, he was the sniper. Strom was the setup guy. Um, but I agree. I like the idea of getting, you know, that nasty guy in the middle of this with a Patrick Kane. I think that's where a guy like Carl Soderberg, who, even though he was scratched tonight, is active now on the roster. You know, maybe he is the guy that they compare with Patrick Kane. I think right now, just because this line has been playing well the last two games, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I think if you start to see that line of Strom, Debrinkit, and Kane start to go cold a little bit, I think you could see maybe Andrew Shaw get a look at center. Maybe a Carl Soderberg is the guy that plays with Kane instead, and then they can let you know Strom and Debrinkit maybe play with a guy like Shaw. So that way, your Shaw's your grinder. He goes in the corner. Sure, he's playing the wing, and that's okay. But then that allows that chemistry of you know Strom and Debrinkit, the best buddies from their eerie days, etc. 
to kind of play together. So I think that's something to watch out for, definitely. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I like Shawzer in that role. I love Shawzer wearing the A. Uh, I think him and Murphy alternating the A's. It seems like on the road it's going to be Murphy. At home it's going to be Shaw while Seabrook and Taves are out. Um, you know, at some point, obviously, if one of those two comes back, those two will forfeit the letter and either the C or the A will be on the ice as well. But, um, yeah, that was a beautiful play, a great way to start the third period. But we'll keep it moving because, unfortunately, there was no shutout for Kevin Lankin, and I think he deserved it tonight because he was good enough. But Dylan Larkin uh, made an incredible play. He gets his third goal of the season um, at the 12:22 mark. It didn't really matter because uh, about five minutes later, 17:06 mark, empty net. Um, it counted as a shorthanded goal, ironically, which I thought was cool. But uh, the Hawks were on the PK. Um, but again, like we said, it really didn't matter. Uh, Detroit goes for the extra skater. They go for the two-man advantage. Walmart gets his third assist as a Hawk. I think that's awesome to see. He still hasn't potted a goal yet, but he's got three helpers already in this young season. Connor Murphy gets his second assist as the primary assist. And Matthias Janmark gets his first goal as a Chicago Blackhawk on the empty netter. Uh, to put the icing on the cake and give the Blackhawks their 4-1 to one win uh, that we are talking about right this very second. So, Pat, I'll let you talk about, uh, you know, if you have anything to say about that Janmark goal. And then I would love to hear, you know, one or two of your first observations. Um, you know, something else that you want to kind of dissect and, and talk about a little bit from this game. Yeah, so, you know, we can we can start with that Janmark goal. You know, it, you know it's just always nice. Um I think at the beginning of the season, um, and it's always one reason that I think across all sports, and I've always just really enjoyed like uh, home openers, this and that. Obviously, it's really different this year without fans in the stands. But you know, just the the giant smile on fucking on Jan Mark's face when he when he netted that empty netter. You know, he looked like a little kid in the candy shop. And this is a guy who you know he's not out there exactly playing his first NHL game or anything. But, you know, he's excited, and that that's always good to see. And I always enjoy that when uh, new guys don the Indian head because, um, you know, I always feel like it's it's different in Chicago. You know, we got the history. We, we have the recent success. We got, you know, the good fans. It's always a packed building. And like I said, it's different now, you know, with no one in attendance. But, you know, it, it's always good to see. And, I, you know, I just always like seeing that. Um and it's it's good to even for a guy like him, even if it is an empty dinner, you know, get him on get him on the goal, get him on the score sheet, because um, you never know what can get someone going. And then you know, as far as takeaways from this game, um, you know, it's good. You you, you got to get on the board eventually because you know the more you keep losing, the more it really starts to become a story, and the more it starts to creep into the back of your head, like yo. Yeah, are we going to win one of these? Because it was starting to look bleak there. You know, you, you get on the streak of allowing five goals every game. You come back tonight and Kevin Lankinen, Kevin Lankinen gives you like a, I, maybe too soon to say it, but Kevin Lankinen gives you a bit of a Corey Crawford game where, he, you know, he steps in and he faces all the shots and he throws most of them back. But, you know, it, it's really, really good to see. Um, and it, at the same time, it, it was almost a, I guess for me, maybe it was almost a little depressing. You know, I, I really hate seeing the United Center look like that <laughs> with those, you know, uh, almost banners over the seats, the United little uh, flags or whatever the hell those things are. Um, no, no cheering through the anthem. No, 
no reaction to the goals, no nothing. And it really, it really hit me when Calvin DeHaan scored that goal. And I didn't see it at first, you know, beat Grice. And then all of a sudden you just hear the horn. And it was like, oh, wait, they scored? Because you didn't, you didn't get that crowd reaction. Um, and it was really, really weird. Because even in, in, the, in the bubble in Edmonton, they were kind of pumping in that crowd noise. And they didn't, they actually did a pretty seamless job with it. But you've seen it tonight kind of play out, and it was really weird. Um, and not that, you know, obviously it's been the same out in, you know, Tampa and Florida. Florida did have some fans, but not nearly any. Um, but, you know, it really, really hit me um, tonight. And, you know, with it being United Center, it was the first time, you know, we've seen the United Center look like that. And it was really, really weird. And it was almost a slightly depressing and it, you know it just made me think like god i really can't wait for fans to get back in the building i know we got the vaccine rolling around and stuff and i just can't wait for it because no matter how bad this team is i think uh, uh, you know i know i speak for both of us i can't wait to get back in the united center you know feel the anthem feel the, feel the roar everything I, I i couldn't care less if they want owen owen fucking whatever this year um I just can't wait to get back in that building. So, and, you know, at least seeing the United Center tonight, it's a nice feeling. I just really can't wait to get back there. But, you know, it, it was just really weird seeing it like that. Yeah, it really was. I was going to say, you know, on the road, those first four games, it really didn't matter too much. Obviously, Tampa's not having fans, which I think is odd because Florida is, and obviously they're in the same state, but that's neither here nor there. But, you know, Tampa didn't really bother me all that much. It's like, yeah, whatever, they're on the road, I don't care. And then, you know, Florida, like you said, limited fans. It was weird, but there were still people. So I was like, okay, whatever. That's a normal Florida game as it is anyway. But then it really hit me agreed tonight, you know, especially during the anthem. That's when it hit me, and I'm just like, wow, that's weird. And I don't like it. Like, I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm, I don't like it. I don't, I'm not here for it, you know. And I agree with you, man. I, I'm... I'm one of those diehards and those blind diehards where I don't care if they're going to lose, you know, in a 56 game season, they could lose 40 games and I would, I would still be, you know, the first one in line to be able to get into that building to watch a hockey game because there's nothing like being at the UC on any night of the week. I don't give a shit when it is. It could be a Tuesday night in the middle of February when it's snowing and there's six inches of snow on the ground and you got to bury your car out of snow to get out of the parking lot. I could give a fuck. Even better. Get me in the UC. Get me cheering, you know, for the Blackhawks and just, you know, I'm, I, I know we've we've said it amongst our, our, you know, our group of the Four Feathers and even here at ONTAP Sports Network, but I, I've never been so excited to pay $9 for a beer in my entire life. Like, that sounds <laughs> perfect right now, um, and I, I can't wait for it. But, you know, going back to this game, man, a couple other things, too, that I, I wanted to take away and I would love to get your thoughts on as well that we haven't really touched on yet. First thing... Um, going back to Lincoln and just something I want to share because I thought it was cool. Uh, it was literally two tweets that I saw back to back and I thought they were worth noting. So the first one from Ben Pope, um, he covers the Blackhawks for the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, per Kevin Lincoln, uh, Kevin Lincoln said, what can I say? Friday night in Chicago, home opener at the United Center, get your first NHL win. Feels awesome. That alone embodies like how cool that was tonight for him. And it, just imagine if fans were in the building for that. Like, it would it would be tenfold for him, and so just for his sake, I, I hope there are fans you know in the building at some point so they can cheer on a Kevin Lincoln and win. Um, and he continued uh, another quote here. He said that the Blackhawks game started at three a.m. local time back in Finland, which is where he's from. And the first phone calls after his first NHL win, uh, he said Lena, which is his uh, fiance, 
and his family. So that's got to be really cool for him. Get your first NHL win. Your family's up and your you know soon to be wife uh, back home in Finland at three in the morning. You know the only time I'm ever awake at three in the morning is after a long night at the bar. Um, so the fact that they're up cheering him on, he gets his first win. Like he said, at home at the United Center on a Friday night in Chicago. It's just it's special. It's really cool, um, and, and I'm really really happy for Kevin Lincoln. And a huge congratulations uh, from the Four Feathers group to him. But um, just two quick takeaways. Uh, a negative takeaway, I'm just going to brush over this one real quick. Too many penalties. We don't need to be giving Detroit five power plays in this game, but they took care of it. 0 for 5. That's that's always a beautiful thing nonetheless. Um, but something I do want to call the fourth line. This fourth line with the addition of Brandon Hagel, I know Matthew Highmore is your boy, um, you know, and, yeah. and he's a great player, but there's something about Brandon Hagel. He's got that second gear. He kind of reminds me of John Madden from back in the day in that, that 2010 Cup team where – he just goes 110% and he has that balls of the walls mentality. And there him and Carpenter and Camp have had really good chemistry these last couple games because they have been difference makers. They haven't potted a goal yet, and I think it's eventually gonna come, and they might start regularly being able to contribute offensively. But they're doing some really good things. I mean, you know, Carpenter's getting good looks. Um I think he was actually, let me check this. Uh, Double-checking my records, carry the one. Uh, yeah, he had the same amount of shots on goal as Patrick Kane tonight, um, which I, I think is worth noting, as well as Brandon Hagel. Both of them had two shots on net. So you got four shots alone, and that's not even including David Camp, uh, who I also believe had zero shots. That's kind of borderline comical. But, you know, four shots from your fourth line tonight out of, you know, however many they had, they're contributing. They're, they're, they're pressing teams, and... You know, maybe this season, like we said, they're not going to be good. They're not going to win a ton of games. But, you know, if you can have that kind of setup from a fourth line in a year from now, maybe two years from now, with guys like Hagel and Kampf and maybe even Carpenter if he decides to re-sign, that's the type of fourth line play that you get out of a championship team. Um, so it's nice to see, uh, you know, a nice little silver lining from those guys. They're playing hard. They're balls to the walls. All of them played about, you know, 10 minutes or so. Camp played 15, but... That's because four of that was shorthanded. Um, I think Carpenter was the exact same way. He played 16, but five of that was shorthanded. You know, they're they're doing really good things, and I think they they absolutely deserved a, a quick shout out. Uh, but all my other takeaways, we we touched on. So, Pat, I'll, I'll quickly turn it back over to you. Um, maybe any last minute thoughts about Lankinen and and that fourth line play, or anything else you might have uh, recognized. And you know, we'll go ahead and and start looking forward then to Sunday. No, yeah, it was uh like you said, um I've always, even from the start of the year when uh or you know, and even dating back to the bubble last year um in Edmonton. Um that fourth line, it, while the Hawks are obviously not a championship team, they almost have like a championship fourth line like you said. Um now the problem is that, you know, the one through three lines, but that fourth line, you know, that can be a really good line, like you said, on a uh, on a good team, uh, because you know it has a lot of grit, it has a lot of heart, it has a lot of hustle, and you know whether that's Hagel or whether that's Highmore. Obviously, I'm a big Matthew Highmore guy, um, but you know, I, I you know I can very much admit that uh, Brandon Hagel's also looked really really good. Um, you. If you're going to lose a lot of hockey games, I'd like to see guys go out there, play hard, give a shit. And, you know, that's what all those guys do. 
Um, they might not be the most skilled in the world, i.e. David Camp, but, you know, they serve their role. Every team has to have role players, and they do it. Um, I like guys who play hard, and those guys play hard. Ryan Carpenter plays really hard, and he plays a very specific kind of game. He knows his role. He doesn't try and exceed his role, and, you know, he does it. It's it's that thing that Eddie Olchek always talked about when the Hawks won those cups is, Every great team has to have role players. Role players have to accept their role and execute it. And Ryan Carpenter is that kind of guy. Um, David Camp is that kind of guy. Um, and you're seeing uh, Matthew Highmore and Brandon Hagel be those guys too. Um, so that's promising because you have to have guys like that. Because even if even if you're losing, you know it's exciting to see guys go out there and play really hard. It's exciting to see guys go out there and play every game like it's their last game in the league. And I appreciate that, you know, because even though in a shortened season, this is probably going to be a long season because this team is not good. So we need to see that out of these guys. It's going to keep us going because we're going to watch these games, whether, you know, whether it kills us or not, whether they're the worst team in the league or not. We need guys like that, and I really appreciate that out of those guys. You know, you know you're going to get your Patrick Kane games, and so far Patrick Kane's giving you Patrick Kane games every night. So that's nice too because I was almost a little worried about that. I was like, are we going to start seeing a down year from Patrick Kane because he doesn't have much around them? What's the motivation? Well, I don't think Patrick Kane needs motivation. He's one of the greatest hockey players of all time, and you know he's going to get his and he's getting it. So even though you know the record right now isn't the greatest, I still think we're seeing some good things. Obviously, Lincoln in the night, that was great. I'm sure we're going to see him again on Sunday. I'm excited to see how he does um, in back-to-backs. Or, well, it's not a back-to-back, but a back-to-back starts for him. And, you know, let's keep the momentum rolling a little bit. Let's, you know, it's just Detroit. But, you know, you can build on these things as a hockey team. And, you know, you got to take the positives as they come. And I think that's what we're doing tonight. Absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree with everything you just said. You know, it, it's going to be a tough year, but... You know, we're, we're going to take the silver linings as we get them. And, you know, I said it on, on the preview episode. I know we've all kind of said it in different, you know, varieties, whether it's been our, you know, Four Feathers group chat, whether it's been uh, on Twitter, what have you. You know, this is going to be a year of it's a successful season if you watch the development of these young guys. And they're better in game 55 and 56 than they were in games one and two. And, you know, if, if we can get that out of this team this year and, and that's – that's a meaningful step forward for this team then looking forward to the future as some of these young guys continue to find their roles within this organization. Because like you said, you know, for every great superstar on every NHL team, there's a great role player that accepts their role and executes it properly. Uh, a guy I think about that played, oh fuck, what, 17 years I think in the league or something crazy like that? Manny Malhotra is the first guy that comes to mind. You know, he was a high draft pick, a huge scorer in his you know junior days. He gets to the NHL, and they need him to be a checking line, win face-offs, defensive center, and he does it, and he plays 17 years and has a successful career doing it, and now he's a coach. I want to say he's an assistant coach with the Canucks now. So, um, I, I, you know, as exactly what you said, man. Every every great team, for every great superstar you have on a great team, you need a great role player as well. Whew. Well, Pat, we'll, uh, we'll put this beautiful W, as you said. We'll take the good with the bad. We'll put it in the rearview mirror, but... Have no fear, the Hawks will be back sooner than we think. Um, 
Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you don't drink too much on Saturday night because you might miss puck drop. The Blackhawks will be hosting the Red Wings once again. Uh, get used to these two-game sets. That's pretty much going to be the schedule the whole year. Uh, back at the United Center on Sunday, January 24th at 11.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. So, yes, you will be pouring your bowl of Cheerios while they are dropping the puck, most likely. Um, it will be on NBC. It is a national televised game. And once again, the Blackhawks are hosting the Red Wings. We would expect to see Kevin Lankin in a net for goal. Um, very good chance that the Red Wings trot out Jonathan Bernier. Well, remains to be seen, uh, especially after Thomas Grace had a bit of a rough night tonight. But the 2-3 and three Red Wings, once again, against the 1-3-1 one, one Blackhawks. So, Pat, I'll turn it over to you um, just real quick. Uh, one thing I also want to note for Blackhawks fans, let's make this night even better. Nashville lost 7 to nothing to the Dallas Stars. I think that's worth noting tonight. That is an absolutely beautiful stat. Um, they lose by a touchdown. We'll if we're, a touchdown and an extra point if we're talking in, in, uh, in good old football sense here. But, Kamiski, sir, I will turn it over to you. Um, maybe a, a quick little breakdown of Sunday's game. Maybe something that you're looking out for. And then uh, let's get your stick to click here uh, for Sunday's game. So, first of all, as a sports fan... And as a Hawks fan, I love a good 11:30 starts. I love it as much as the next guy. Now I know that I have to watch my drinking tomorrow, or I'm going to miss like the first half of the first period. But um, I love it, especially with it being, you know, if if you like football, with it being Championship Sunday, uh, Brady and Rogers are going to be out there about you know two o'clock or so, and uh, at Lambeau. You got quite the day ahead of you. You get to watch the Hawks in the morning, and you get the two football games to round out the rest of your day. Not too shabby. So I'm really looking forward to Sunday because I think it's going to be a great sports day. Um, as far as the Hawks game goes, um, I'm looking for, you know, I, I'm really interested to see what Lincoln does. Um, can he put it together in two straight games against uh, the same team? We shall see. Um, I think that's important in his progression. Um, and we'll see if, you know, he's going to be the guy this year or not, or if we're going to be in this constant little, uh, cycle of, uh, Subban, Dealey and Lankin. We shall see. I would like, I would like to see Lankin and step up and kind of grab, put the grip on it. That's what I'm looking forward most to. Um, and as far as, you know, the game goes, um, I don't, I don't think we have to get that technical with it. Um, I, I want to see him play hard. I want to see these guys make growth. I want to see them, you know, shift in, shift out, give it what they got. You know, it's a little sad to say that at this point with this team, but that's where they're at. You know, Doc's out, Taze is out. There wasn't a lot of talent even before those guys went down. Um, they're not a deep team. I just, I, I want to see them come out and compete, and that's all it is. Um, we're learning who's going to be on this team moving forward. So for every game, every shift is important for a lot of these guys. They are making their case to stay on this team and be a part of the future. So I want to see who's going to do it. Um, from what I've seen tonight, you know, there was, there was a lot of positives. Uh, my stick to click moving into Sunday, I'm, I'm going to go with Ian Mitchell. I really like mm-hmm. what we've seen from Ian Mitchell tonight. Um, limited ice time, but I thought he played pretty good. Um, and I think maybe that's something Kyle didn't could look at tonight. He had a good game. Maybe let's let's give him a little let's up the ice time just a little bit on Sunday, you know. See what he can do. Um, he made a really really great play on that on that uh, Calvin DeHaan goal. Let's build on that. So that will be my stick to click. I'll turn it over to you. 
Yeah, man. Uh, incredibly well said. I think there is a lot of interesting things to keep an eye on uh, as a Blackhawks fan. I hope one of these goalies, you know, takes the the, the bull by the horns. And I, I would be fine if it's Lincoln, and I think he showed tonight uh, by far the best goalie performance of any Blackhawks goaltender this season. And really, he owns the best two, in my opinion, even on Tuesday night in that loss to Florida. You know, sure, he gave up five goals, but at the end of the day, I think he still played well. Like, he looked composed in net. And it was his first NHL start. You know there's going to be jitters and, and the whole nine. But, um, yeah, I agree. I, I don't want to see a goalie carousel all season. I'd like to see, you know, one of these guys take over as the number one and then one of them solidify themselves as the number two. Maybe, you know, get 10 to 12, maybe 15 games at most this year. Um, and then let that number one guy kind of ride this season and just grow as a, as a player because all these guys are still pretty young. But, um, that being said, I, I do love a good 11.30 start, too. I agree. Uh, Sunday's going to be a hell of a sports day. You start off with the Hawks at 11.30 a.m., you know, Central Standard Time. At about 2.05, right when the Hawks are wrapping up, you got uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Packers suck. Detroit sucks. But anyway, um, that'll be great. We can see who's representing the NFC in the, in the uh, good old Super Bowl. Uh, and then, in, you know, 5.40, I believe, is the scheduled kickoff time for the AFC Championship. It's either the defending champs going back to the Super Bowl or it's Bills Mafia, which might be the craziest fan base in all of the sports, or at least in all of football, um, you know, getting their shot with uh, Lombard the uh, Lombardi Trophy in a couple of weeks. So, hell of a sports day on Sunday, and I'll be dialed in for every single one of those games as well. But, uh, you know, stick to click. This is a tough one. I've been actually on a little bit of a hot streak the last couple of games. I took Dominic Kubalik the other night when he had his three-point three performance. I believe I took the cat for today's game, and he had two assists, so I feel pretty good about that. So I feel like i got to keep this up, and I'm really examining this this roster right now, and it's it's a tough one. It's easy, I feel like it would be to pick you know a Patrick Kane or maybe a Kevin Lankinen if you know we, we feel that good about him. I'm going to go ahead and take Dylan Strome, because for whatever reason, Dylan Strome looks like a different player this year. It's really weird. You know, I've been seeing a lot more hustle plays out of Dylan Strome and, like, four-checking. Is just because I'm here? No, it really isn't. I, I just honestly, <laughs> like, he – I actually have an article I'm starting to write about just him proving himself this year and some of the things that he's doing that just – it seems like he finally gets it. I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, the opportunity of essentially being the number one center. I know he's not technically playing on the top line most of the time because Pia Suter's technically starting with Kane and Debrinkit, but – you know, he's playing majority of the minutes in terms of centers. I mean, he played 15 minutes tonight. Um, he and he and Suter played about the same amount of time, and obviously he had more success than Suter did with, uh, you know, the two assists. But, you know, at the end of the day, he, he looks like a different player. You know, he had that semi-breakaway in Florida the other night. That was a hustle play by him to generate that. Uh, he's gone into the corner a couple times and, and created turnovers with guys like Kurashev. He just looks like a different player. He looks like he's maturing. I know, you know, people are like, well, he's been around a while. He's still only, he hasn't, he hasn't even turned 24 years old yet. He's 23. He's a baby. Um, and if he can, you know, cement himself on this two-year deal that he signed right before training camp opened as a, a legitimate NHL center, then he's going to be a part of this core moving forward. And I think he needs to continue to take each game as a tryout um, and needs to perform night in and night out. Two assists tonight. He's looked good overall. Um you know, I don't expect the Hawks to fall off that dramatically against this Detroit team in two games, even though, you know, anything can happen, obviously. It's 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 sports, but um, I expect to see number 17 have another good game. You know, it could be at the expense of Kane and Debrinkit also having good games, but 
I think number 17 does a good job and uh, gets on the score sheet quite a bit uh, on Sunday for that afternoon matinee game. Well, technically a morning matinee if you want to get really technical uh, with that 11.30 start. Um, but nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this Blackhawks uh, Four Feathers podcast recap show. The Blackhawks did beat the Detroit Red Wings tonight 4-1. to uh, I am Ron Luce, and I am joined by Patrick Kamiski. Be sure to follow all of our great Blackhawks content over at www.ontapsportsnet.com as Four Feathers Podcast is the official Blackhawks podcast of the Ontap Sports Network. We have everything you want from Blackhawks to Bears to Bulls, even the Cubs and the White Sox, and everything in between, ladies and gentlemen. You can find all of our great content on social media at Ontap Sports Net. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Um, and you can also find us uh, at www.ontapsportsnet.com on the interwebs. The ONTAP Sports Network, go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. All right, Mr. Kamiski, I know you are looking to get into some beers. I think I am as well. Um, you know, I, I'll have my Bloody Mary ready for the Hawks start on uh, on Sunday at 1130. I hope you will as well, my Bloody Mary loving brother. Um, but, buddy, let's get out of here. You know I'll on. tag you on Twitter. I always oh, I'm, I'm ready for it, and I'll be right there with you. Um, I expect nothing less, but buddy, let's get out of here. The only way we know how to, man, let's go Hawks. Yeah, let's go Hawks. <laughs>